Welcome to episode 85 of The Balancing Act. I'm Dan Strafford. Today, we are kicking off our new mini-series entitled The Balancing Act's Leaders Play. In this series, we'll have conversations with leaders from varying backgrounds and talk candidly about the balancing acts they've encountered during their careers and how they have navigated them. But first, as always, Andy Tempty is the star of the show. Uh, Andy, how are you? Anything new and exciting? And I, I couldn't do this without you. Uh, you know, Nick Tempty is in the background as producer yes, today. So uh, although I do most of the talking, the stars are all around us today. Well, and thankfully they are aligned. Uh, let's, um, <laughs> oh. let's, yeah, oh, I had to, I had to. Uh, we are going to dive in on this topic, which I think the conversations to come after this one are important from a story sharing perspective. I, I, yeah. I'm a storyteller. I'm, I, I believe in the power of storytelling and, um, there's so much in the world of do this, do that, right? Well, let me hear from someone who has done this, who has done that, how they experienced it, what their approach was, what failed, what didn't. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a very fruitful series for the listeners. To get started, you published The Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire, in April of 2021. It feels like lifetimes ago. I know. But what prompted <laughs> you to write the book and why the theme of balance? Yeah. So, you know, before we get there, I just want to reiterate what you just said, which is this mini series that's coming up uh, is, you know, we're going to extend this one beyond the three or four guests mm -hmm. that we typically have. Uh, we're going to hear from people of all varieties of leadership and uh, industry experience and discuss with them the balancing acts that they have played uh, in uh, business and the balancing acts that they're currently uh, yep. gra grappling with. Now, when back to the question, when I started writing uh, my first book, uh, it was going to be a set of tales from a mid-level senior executive with tongue firmly in cheek, mid-level senior executive. Uh, and there are literally millions of mid-level senior executives all around the world. These are individuals who are near the top of an organization, but not at the top. Uh, and so there's all sorts of work that has to happen, uh, you know, managing up, managing down and managing across. So I was putting together a series of stories about what it's like uh, to be in that position, a position of authority, and you have many hundreds, uh, if not thousands of people working for you, but right. you, but you also have responsibilities, uh, both, uh, up and across, uh, in the organization. When I was, you know, really got serious about putting pen to paper, uh, for that book, it, it became very obvious very quickly that what I was talking about was a series of balancing acts 
that I had played uh, throughout uh, throughout my career, uh, the balancing act between technical skill and human or behavioral skill, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, it, you know the, the the balance that you need to walk in uh, to uh, our last mini series about challenging conversations, uh, the balance between work and life, and yep. you know just all of these things that are are up in the air uh, for us. And we need to weigh this uh, concept uh, or this challenge against this opportunity or this challenge. If you had to choose what the most important balancing act that leaders play, what would that be? Yeah. But for leaders specifically, by far and away, it is the balance between work and life. Uh, if you are in a leadership position, uh, almost by definition, you have gone above and beyond at uh, some point in your career. Uh, you have shown an interest in uh, leading and managing uh, other other human beings. And that takes a great deal of immersion uh, into the world of work that can quickly tip over into uh, workaholic status. Yep. And I have worked with a number of workaholics. I have been a workaholic myself. Yep. Uh, I still struggle with my uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm not retired. I, I, I left 22 plus years at Kaplan. I am now off uh, doing uh, something else, contributing to society, but I still struggle with, do I need to be doing this right now? Or yep. should I be present with my wife, with my children, with my friends, with my bandmates? Uh, and that you can get just sucked into the vortex of work and, and, and never come out. And all of a sudden you're uh, four spouses, uh, four marriages later <laughs> and a whole bunch of wrecked relationships. And uh, what do you have to show for it? Uh, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, I'll say, I, I think work life is what popped into everyone's head, right? That, that's where everyone would have gone. I'm holding up for those listening. I'm holding up my cell phone um, for those watching on YouTube. This device and working from home has been very damaging to work-life balance in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, now, working from home is better for my work-life balance because I'm more present and able to be there for things. But I can constantly check things on my phone. I can always be have my laptop present. And so th those nuances as the digital age continues here, um, I think will come more more keenly into focus for so many people. With that aside, with that being the obvious take, right? The the work-life balance, the the managing between uh, the, the way you go about it, what's maybe a more obscure one that leaders do grapple with uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, and this is one that many leaders uh, don't actually recognize as a balancing act, and it can get them into trouble. And that is the balancing act between transparency and duplicity. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people, uh, as I said, a lot of leaders don't like to think about the fact that they have to what may be construed by many as a lie, they mm -hmm. need to tell a story 
that is not completely true. Uh, and you need to do that for all sorts of reasons. Maybe there's a reduction in force coming up uh, because the economics of the business are challenged and you can't talk about that right now right. Uh, or else legal <laughs> will, uh, will read you the riot act or, uh, or you have a new product on the positive side. There's a new product launch that's coming out that's going to turn the business on its head. Uh, and you know it, and you know that if you, uh, if you tell everybody that it's going to turn the business on its head right now, that that could be uh, extremely damaging uh, to everybody involved. Right. And you've got to keep that information uh, tight and you've got to hold trade secrets, for example. Uh, so knowing when to be fully transparent versus uh, knowing when to hold certain information back and really processing and thinking carefully about the challenges that withholding information uh, will have on organizational health and the challenges that transparency uh, can have on, on organizational health. This is a true balancing act that as you climb the leadership ladder uh, or organizationally, this is one that gets harder and harder and harder uh, to do. It makes a lot of sense. And again, we talked about it on previous episodes, the knowing what you don't know, right? And being able to recognize this is such a key part of making the proper decisions to balance between the two. So acknowledging that it exists and then being able to, to work with it and find that balance. In your forthcoming book, The Balanced Business, uh, you hone in on a critical balancing act that leaders must foster within their organization. What, what's the balancing act that all businesses must navigate? All businesses have to navigate the balancing act between trust and accountability. Uh, we live in a modern managerial environment uh, where, fortunately, uh, we are not uh, showing up uh, in emotional suits of armor uh, all day. And uh, we, we, we have learned uh, through research that organizational trust, when teams trust that they are going to get the inputs or the outputs when they need them as inputs, that those are going to be repeatable and reliable, that high trust environments drive uh, greater returns. Yep. Uh, balanced against that, however, is uh, the concept of accountability. If you don't have proper accountability frameworks in place, uh, then building organizational trust is damn near impossible uh, because it's, you know, we, we can't, uh, unless you're brand new to the workforce and showing up with no baggage uh, whatsoever uh, and, uh, and you're completely devoid of that baggage, trust can be the initial condition. However, most of us have been stabbed in the back by somebody else. Most of us are coming into a new work environment with a little bit of skepticism. Okay, where's the next shoe? Uh, who's that person on this team that's got it in for me? You know, that really starts to take over. So having proper accountability frameworks in place that are fostered by organizational flow, uh, this is uh, 
if, if you, you know, please buy my second book because <laughs> you're going to learn all about this balancing act between trust and accountability. We got to get stuff done in organizations and it's yep. not uh, a sufficient condition that everybody trusts one another. Uh, we've got to get stuff done and we've got to be able to hold our, each other and our, 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 our teams accountable uh, for, uh, for meeting goals and, and creating great work product. It's the, uh, taking the step further almost the accountability of accountability making sure it's it's understood it's out there it's 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 transparent and it's uh, uh applied across everyone in a way that further builds the trust right Bu builds that understanding and the the capability of everyone to know exactly what's expected of them and how they're being uh, judged it has a tendency to be a negative word but judged for their work and judged yeah. for their their input Let's step aside for a quick break. We'll be back with more right here on The Bouncing Act. I'm Andrew Tempty. The alignment of personal purpose with that of the business we lend our talents to is essential to achieving optimal work-life balance. But do you know what your personal purpose is? To help answer this crucial question, I've created a guidebook to help define your personal purpose and a vision statement to serve as your North Star. Visit andrewtempty.com slash purpose to download your free copy today. Back here on The Balancing Act, Dan Strafford, Andy Tempty, talking about uh, the balancing acts that leaders play. Now, Andy, I may have been perusing your Saturday morning muses, uh, and I came across a recent blog of yours as we record uh, that described the balancing act between being a net taker versus a net giver. I don't think we're talking volleyball here. No. Can you describe in more detail what that balancing act is? Yeah, so in uh, throughout our lives, uh, we, we start our lives uh, completely naked and completely dependent on somebody else, our parents, caregivers, uh, et cetera. And uh, throughout our lives, then uh, we get to a place where we can begin giving back uh, to our families, uh, to, uh, to society, to, to businesses, we can begin to create value, uh, again, both economically and, uh, from a societal, uh, from a societal per perspective. I challenge our listeners today, uh, to think about, uh, some of the net takers that are in your life. Uh, and in adulthood, a net taker is somebody who, for lack of better way to put it, just take, take, take all the time. It's all about me. It's all about what I'm getting uh, from you. Uh, and uh, my contributions are much less important than what I'm getting back uh, from, uh, from this relationship. We've all been in friendships or relationships where people are just sapping the energy and the yep. joy out of us. Uh, and those are, those people are net takers in our lives. Uh, a net giver is somebody who, for example, is involved in philanthropy. They're giving back of themselves to, uh, folks that they don't even know because because a net giver understands that uh, that again, I'm going to overuse this term net because at any given moment we're taking or, or 
uh, or taking or giving. Uh, and I'm talking about the net in that ledger. Uh, so uh, in a biz, from a business perspective, uh, this concept of being a net giver or a net taker is, is really important uh, because to add, we talk a lot about adding value. We talk mm-hmm. a lot about value streams and, uh, and driving great results for our customers. And if everybody on your team is a net taker, if competition is running rampant in rampant internally and everybody's out to get everybody else and get everything that they deserve from the relationship, well, what is going to be left for the customer? What's going to be left for building the value of the business that you're involved in? Uh, so, Bottom line is if we're if we uh, err toward the net giver in this equation, then uh, we'll be adding more value to the value streams that we're involved in uh, in our in our businesses, and our businesses on balance will uh, will be more successful in creating value for customers. I I want to pose this question to you, Andy. If we're is it incumbent on a manager? to ensure, though, that your net givers aren't giving too much, that that they're not the one, from a management perspective, keeping an eye on everyone, making sure there's the balance on the team. Um, Is that part of this equation, too? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the leader's uh, primary jobs is to... Uh, is to be thinking about that equation uh, with, within a team, and it becomes fairly obvious yeah. uh, who yes. the net give yes. who the net givers are and who the net takers are. And you can lose your best, your top performers, who are typically uh, not always, but uh, you know, because you can have a genius jerk who is yep. you know ruining the organizational health of the team. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about those folks that are continually going above and beyond. Burnout can be a real factor. And so you got to watch for that. And then it's the interpersonal dynamics. And and it's then the rehabilitation of the net takers to show them the path that erring on the side of net giving is going to be beneficial both to the team and to them in the long run. Yep, makes so much sense. It's the, the you know the equation levels up. It's the individual balancing act, it's the team balancing act, the organizational balancing act, uh, amongst all of those things. On uh, this show, we did talk uh, about lifelong learning throughout the eighty-five or so episodes we're we're at now. Why is the concept of balance so important to being an effective lifelong learner? Yeah, so this this is a great offshoot of uh, the this net giver net taker uh, discussion because to become uh, a net giver, uh, being a learner and uh, growing uh, through education and training, uh, both formal and informal, is absolutely essential uh, to growing your status as a, as a net giver yep. in society and for business. Now, the, the, the balancing act uh, in being a lifelong learner is that you are consciously choosing, you are deciding to become purposefully uncomfortable 
uh, as uh, as a lifelong learner. You're 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 throwing yourself off balance and saying. I, uh, I'm going to learn something new. I need right. to learn something new to be better at my job, uh, et, et cetera, be a better person. And so you're purposefully uncomfortable, thrown out of balance, and then working your way back to striving uh, toward that next normal uh, that follows from those learning events. It's the uh, climbing the mountain analogy, right? You, to get to that peak or to the plateau, you got to be a little uncomfortable and make the move to it. And then you can rest. <laughs> then you can take your time and then find your way uh, up the mountain further. I think it is a, a great place to segue uh, into what will be the final balancing act that we'll talk about today. The balance between technical skill. You talked about the genius jerk before. The technical skill and human skill. Why is this such an important balance to be struck in the workforce? Well, computers uh, that can think at low but ever-increasing cognitive levels uh, is just going to get uh, more and more uh, prevalent. Uh, They're going to be, those computers will be taking more of the technical aspects of your job. Uh, So having an understanding of the technical uh, aspects of your work is extraordinarily important, but you'll be doing less of that actual technical work in the future, and you'll be doing more human interaction because what do we have to bring to work but our human selves? What differentiates us uh, from the computers uh, that are taking more of the technical skill uh, of our jobs? It is our human selves that differentiates us. Uh, So, I mentioned this phrase, the emotional suit of armor in the 1970s, 80s and 90s. We kind of all clinked into the office. Uh, We almost had to flip a switch of, okay, I'm going to be this persona at the office and I'm somebody completely different outside the office. Well, that's not sustainable, uh, especially when we need to bring our whole selves, our whole human selves uh, into the world of work to get the most uh, out of uh, of our relationship uh, with work, uh, so that uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, w- I, w- I just want folks to let that sink in and just think about that for a while. Almost a little bit of a code switch, you know, the yeah. language phrase you hear a lot, um, dialect phrase, uh, code switching to speak in a certain way with a certain group of people, uh, and then or you know between languages or whatever it might be, sounds similar here from a uh, how it used to be in, in, in the good old days of the emotional suit of armor and being able to shut down, right? To, to shut down and say, uh, no, that's not existing. And it goes back to what we said before. Um, on the last uh, episode we did together, you, you never know what someone's going through. Uh, and now we know a little bit more, right? There's a little bit more of a sharing, a little bit more of a uh, full person, whole person at work. Uh, Andy, from my perspective, I think the more we can understand I was never a a philosophy uh, person, but the more we can understand of the people we are working with, the more we can learn from them and grow, the better off we'll be. So these conversations with leaders that are coming up, hearing their stories, hearing what they've struggled with, how they've persevered, what they're struggling with now. um, And I use struggle as a sort of catch-all for that balancing act, right? Like not necessarily the negative side of it. I'm... Super excited to hear these conversations and and think 
uh, there will be a great deal of uh, merit and benefits to them as as they come out. What? So, Dan, what uh, what kind of balancing acts are you playing right now? If you had to pick one that uh, just really sticks out in your head, what would it be? The, the phrase I use, and it's kind of simplistic, is just breathe. And I think that is something I struggled with mightily when I was in my 20s and 30s. Uh, just breathing, just taking that moment to breathe and find the balance. You know, you're like, find the ability to understand some things might, you know, there might be dishes in the sink when the night's over. You know, that project may be 90% done, but it'll be 100% done and that much better because I didn't try to rush it uh, because of when I had time. Uh, so that's that's the biggest one now. And I mean, there are th- so many balancing acts we do throughout the day. Uh, how much to yell at my kids and not yell, like be the stern. <laughs> and I, it's it's fascinating though, like how much of a, 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 a touchy-feely dad, right? Like the, hey, you know, Ailish, you can do this. And Ailish, get up the darn stairs. You got to get dressed. It, it, it's constant. And um, I've made the joke, and I think I've made it to you before, but... Uh, the thing about parenting is you don't really know how good a job you did till they're like 25 or 30 years old. So you're just sort of figuring things out on the fly and you hope you made the right choice and they don't sit on a therapist's couch when they're 25 saying, when I was five, my dad yelled at me about going upstairs and I held on to that the rest of my life. Um, but I think work-wise, uh, the biggest balancing act is is project-based, is, is finding the balance between uh, what's important, what's not important, what's important to me, what's important to my manager, yep. what's important to the organization. Um, and that's communication, right? That's that's making sure to ask questions and and uh, get clarity. But I think the, I'm really looking forward to these conversations. I, I The human element of the balancing act, people discussing what they've they've gone through and what they've used to do it, I think will, will be an immense uh, benefit to the audience that's listening to this. So, on that note, uh, if you are listening to it, you're already listening. But if there's a podcasting app that uh, this show is not on yet, please let us know. Uh, you can, of course, find Andy uh, on LinkedIn, uh, posting fairly regularly over there. Uh, the uh, Two books available. Find them on Amazon. Find them uh, local bookstores. Andy will share links and, and all of that. For the podcast itself, love to see ratings, comments, uh, sharing on social media, tag Andy, tag me on LinkedIn. Uh, would love to have more conversations around the conversations we're having here. And the YouTube episodes come out as well. Uh, those you can comment, ask me about my sweater if you so choose. Uh, but we'll do that. At, and for those not watching, you'll get it when you watch on YouTube. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, pleasure as always, Andy. I look forward to our next set of conversations and uh, appreciate everyone listening to The Bouncing Act.